1: Pack your bags
2: with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to
1: come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So why did Bruce Arians say that Vernon Hargraves wasn't mentally ready to practice on Tuesday? Could this whole thing be contrived? Ah, we're on to B.A. being B.A. And Gerald McCoy was among the players who wasn't at the first organized team activity. No surprise there. I'll give you the latest on his situation. And a year from now, could this be Levante David suffering the same fate? We'll tell you who stood out in Tuesday's practice as well. And the Rays, they flew to Miami Tuesday morning. Then they beat the Marlins 4-0 Tuesday night. A much-needed six shutout innings from Charlie Morton and three runs driven in by Avisel Garcia, who hit the longest home run for the Rays in StatCast history and the longest ever in Marlins Park. The Rays now 25-15. and The Yankees getting rained out again against Baltimore. They maintain their one-game lead in the American League East. We've got that and USF signing for three football games against the University of Miami over the next several years on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? Well, if so, seven days a week you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Now, I have done this, folks. You have to have it on your bucket list. Hey, the weather's warming up. This is the perfect time to go. Now, if you do go, ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour, and be sure to ask about... Free offer for their active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for a free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's absolutely pure paradise. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, their bicycle rentals, and much more. Book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352 777 one seven nine right, Steve. So I was out at Advent Healthcare Center, or one-buck place, what it used to be called, for the Bucks. First day of OTAs on Tuesday. Those are organized team activities. Full squad practices, essentially, voluntary in nature. But uh, the phase three, if you will, of the off-season workout programs, as we kind of wind down the off-season, they'll have about three or four weeks of these, and then we're all leading up to a mandatory mini-camp uh, sometime in early June, June 4th, I believe, through the sixth. But you know, it's another step. It's a big one. You got the rookies, of course, the guys that were just drafted, um, the unsigned player, you know, the undrafted players as well, a couple that had signed last week at the um, rookie minicamp as tryout players. So 90 guys essentially now eligible on the roster for the bucks. Not all of them were there, of course. We'll get into that with Gerald McCoy. We know JPP is going to be out for a spell, so he wasn't there as well. Did see DeMar Dotson. Saw some guys that weren't able to practice. You know, Justin Evans still not back. But one guy who we thought for all the world we would see at practice is Vernon Hargraves. And Hargraves was there, and he looked okay, but he was standing on the sidelines with, you know, no helmet and essentially watching as the Bucs went about their business, uh, sort of splitting the indoor facility and two they had some of the younger players and and the backups going one direction uh, from the 50 yard line and then they they essentially ran two practices at once with the starters going the other way but the really weird thing was you know like where where was Vernon Hargraves was he hurt what was the situation and so after the practice it came up kind of casually that Bruce Arians was asked you know why wasn't Vernon Hargraves working out and he gave us this answer. You had to talk to Vernon. I mean, uh, he's got to get his mind right to practice. So it was really strange that he would say, you know, he wasn't mentally ready for practice and, and then told us to ask Vernon what that meant. But, of course, Vernon by that time had already made it back into one-buck place like most of his teammates. And we he knew, Bruce knew, that we weren't going to really have access to him in terms of uh, media availability until, you know, next Tuesday. So we were going to be unable to ask him directly unless we were able to reach him on the phone, that sort of thing. And to this To this point, at least I have not I don't know anybody else that has actually talked to Vernon about this, but it was really strange that you know you would see the Bucks rookies essentially taking most of the first team reps in place of Hargraves when a healthy Hargraves was standing there and so I did a little digging uh, about it and you know come to find out that you know I was asking around and said, "Hey, did he miss a meeting?" And he came back to me, no, it, he did not miss a meeting was there some other disciplinary reason necessarily that precipitated this something he had done that he ran a foul of club rules or something like that remember this is voluntary so Hargraves didn't have to be there at all and in fact the word came back to me again that you know what no he didn't really it's nothing like that it's just it's just BA um, trying to trying to add a little bit of motivation and that's that seemed really odd to me because if you're Vernon Hargraves Goodness gracious, what more motivation do you need? I mean, you didn't get to play at all last year. You got hurt in the first game, had a pretty good game against New Orleans, went out with a shoulder injury, missed the whole season. Prior to that, I think you played like 10 games the season before. You were sort of a bust as a rookie, gave up over 1,000 yards receiving. And now, just a couple weeks ago, the Bucks decided to pick up your fifth-year option, which is $9 million for 2020 and it's guaranteed only against injury, which is odd because you're a guy that's been injured the last two years, so that actually might sort of work in your favor. But if there's not enough motivation with a carrot of $9 million out there for the first day of OTAs, I'm not sure what it would take. So without talking to Vernon, I'm not really sure what Bruce Arians meant. He didn't want to expound on it, obviously. But then you do a little bit of digging, and you find out that this is just B.A. and B.A., With the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm sure many of the other places he has been, he will sort of single out a player, and it could be a guy that's had a good game, like uh, Calais Campbell. There's a story about him having a three-sack game one day, and then B.A. sort of telling the media aside um, that he thought he should have had five sacks, and that, well, if it's just about sacks, then, you know, I guess he didn't do his job. And and he would, you know, sort of – Try to motivate guys using comments in the media, and then but then he would tell the player he was going to do it. He would go to the player and say well you're going to, you're going to love the comment you're going to love reading what they write tomorrow and the player would most, many times not even know what he was talking about. Well, in this case, obviously Hargraves knew he didn't practice and was told he wasn't going to practice. we don 't know when that became that information went to him, but he was standing there, and so i I think he probably showed up to work expecting to practice. Remember, again, this is voluntary. He didn't have to be there. He didn't have to be on the field. He didn't have to be anywhere near one buck place. But he showed up and was told to stand essentially on the sidelines and watch some other guys do his job. And so, you know, it, it's it's real contrived. It's kind of weird, but we're starting to find out things uh, about how B.A. does stuff. Remember he told us that, you know, his philosophy is sort of what Bear Bryant told him, coach him hard and then hug him up later. Well, we didn't see the hug up part. I'm sure that'll that'll transpire some way somewhere off off camera. But it, it was interesting to watch. We're learning more about Bruce Arians and sort of, you know, how he goes about his, his motivation.
0: Yeah, isn't this is like where the guys, you know, you motivate the group by singling out one.
1: Yes. And yes and, and
0: for instance, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of coaches and, and you hear quarterbacks especially talk about this where you know, the quarterback makes a mistake, and the coach screams at the coach, the quarterback coach.
1: The, and, yeah, and, and, that was a fam- – you know, who did that was Bill Walsh. Mm-hmm. Bill – I've talked to uh, Steve Mariucci about that because Mooch was the guy that, yep. that very often when he went to Green Bay with Mike Holmgren, mm-hmm. you, would see, you would see Holmgren just wearing Mariucci out. And Holmgren got it from Bill Walsh because it was Holmgren that was getting worn out because he didn't want to go to Montana and yell at him, or he would yell at the backup quarterback, and then that guy would have to, to bring the yep. message.
0: Yeah, I think they learned that from Paul Brown in Cincinnati. It goes all the way to
1: Parp. That's exactly where Mm it goes.
0: You know, and it's call out someone that you have a relationship with. You know you can call out that the other people Mm -hmm. are going to get upset or motivated by because they don't want to see that person screamed at or yelled at, singled out, yeah, whatever. It's it's a motivational tactic. It's an interesting one. And, And the curious part is how much is Vernon Hargraves in on this or did this just happen when he showed up today?
1: Yeah, we don't know, and I, I, I'm anxious to talk to Vernon. Apparently, um, you know, there there is precedent for him letting guys know he's going to do it before he does it, but how much advance notice they had, whether he, you know, uh, for whatever reason he had to communicate to Vernon, he wasn't going to practice that day, but, uh, but I don't know that Vernon was expecting to see a story in the paper about it, you know what I mean, although obviously people could notice that he wasn't out there. Um, and he had not been to that point, a guy that has been injured. So it's, it's odd that it would be Vernon. I mean, when you think about the number of players that they're expecting or need big years from, he would be near, near the list. I mean, like I said, one, they've gone ahead and, you know, picked up his fifth year option. I, I don't know that Vernon's ever really been a player that wasn't on top of things, but if you started to list guys and we, uh, we had this question uh, on my spectrum 360 appearance, um, you know, with Dave Worth on Tuesday, but it was like, you know, who has more to prove to Bruce Arians? And I think, I think Jameis Winston's probably number one on that list. Although Arians is a big Winston guy, but this being the last year of his rookie contract and the reason Arians is here is, you know, is to be the quarterback whisper. I think he's sold on Winston already, but I guess you could start with him because of all that's at stake and the kind of money they're paying him at $20 million. But you wouldn't go much past Winston before you'd probably get to Hargraves because, you know, again, I mean, that, that corner position is so important. And, and this guy's a, a former first-round pick who's been hurt, um, you know, who, who has a lot to prove. And they went out and, oh, by the way, they drafted three more defensive backs. You've got Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart coming back from last year. So they, they have suddenly, you know, tried to create competition at that position. And they need, her, they need Hargraves to step up. They, they think he has it in him. They think that, you know, before Bruce Arians ever ever met Vernon Hargraves, he was talking about how he thinks he's going to be, you know, a really good or, or very good player in his 3-4 system and the press man coverage, which is what he did at Florida and in the last few years under Mike Smith. Um, you know, he's been playing off the ball, playing more zone. And so, you know, all those things. I mean, Hargraves was thrilled to hear that. Before he ever even met Bruce Arians, he was reading stuff about himself that, you know, was very complimentary. And then all of a sudden, it's Hargraves that we see singled out. So, interesting. You know, I mean, it, part of me is like, yeah, you, you know, you kind of feel like, well, what did the, if the player didn't do anything specifically that you want to talk about, it's kind of unfair to single him out in the media because um, maybe he didn't do anything. But uh, now that you understand that it's just Bruce being Bruce – you know, it's he's kind of he's going to do this from time to time, and there'll be there'll be others. I guarantee it. This is just sort of we're starting to get a feel for sort of what Bruce Arians is about. So no surprise that uh, Gerald McCoy was not among the players uh, at OTAs. The first OTA on Tuesday, of course, JPP was not there. We know his situation, recovering from that cervical fracture. But in the case of McCoy, um, you know these things again are voluntary. I think this is coming to a head. I've been saying that for some time. I don't know how much longer um, it can go necessarily. One thing that, uh, you know, has been speculated is that, well, maybe the Bucs want Gerald McCoy to take a pay cut, and that could be possible, but um, I did report that as, as of now at least, the Bucks have never really talked to McCoy or his representatives about him taking a reduced contract, you know, and that, that conversation may be coming. It may happen at some time. Um, I can't really fathom, like, if, if, the, if the money was the thing and not the production and the pay and the pay stub, but just, you know, they wanted him back at maybe a reduced salary, you would have thought that conversation would have taken place by now. But um, as soon as you have it, you kind of signal to the other 31 teams that, oh, okay, they're not going to pay him the 30, $13 million. That's confirmed. They've asked him to take less. So then why would we give compensation in terms of draft picks or players to the Bucks to try to get Gerald McCoy? If you wait, they're going to wind up cutting him. And I think many teams have kind of arrived at that conclusion anyway. Um, well, but I, th- I think there's the- one
0: other part to it too, is yeah. that if he's going to take less money, he's going to want more guarantees. So are you willing to guarantee money for next year? And I don't well, know if the Bucks too. are there. I mean, if I'm Gerald and I'm saying, okay – my contract's 13 million. It's not guaranteed you can cut me and I can go play somewhere else. But if I'm going to mm-hmm. take a pay cut and go down to 6 or 7 million or whatever whatever the Bucks think is fair, then I mm-hmm. want next year guaranteed too.
1: Right. And, and, and those talks and I don't may, know if the Bucks happen. are willing
0: to do that and if you're not willing to do that, you're probably not going to
1: engage in those talks. That's that's true, but I think you would at least go down that road if you wanted the player in any capacity other than at 13 million because you know, if they made one decision that like there's kind of it's not like a it, I don't know if it's a binary choice. Like, we want Gerald McCoy, we don't want him at $13 million, or we just don't want Gerald McCoy. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. it, it, there's, there, I don't know which is which here at this point. I don't know that they they would take him and he would be more attractive as a player for them. I'll say this, though. I looked out there on that field, Steve, and I'm just telling you, like, there's nobody on that defensive line that you can say, oh, yeah, no, they're they're fine there. I mean – Literally if you think about, you know, who's going to play, you got Vita Vea and Bo Allen inside. Okay, Bo Allen did virtually nothing last year as a free agent. In fact, they took away a million dollars of his salary for this year to bring him back. Now that's a guy who did take a pay cut to stay on the roster. So with the first unit, you got Vita Vea and Bo Allen. Then you got Carl Nassib working as an outside linebacker. Never played the position before. Not a guy that you would think would, you know, be able to turn his hips and drop in coverage and do those things, but he's going to be you know, one of their edge guys for sure because right now he stands as the most productive guy in, in in that situation. And then you're looking at guys like Noah Spence who's trying to play for the first time in a 3-4, um, you know, Shaq Barrett that they signed as a undrafted free agent. You know, Will Golston's going to figure in there somewhere. Um, and, and, and you just think like, okay, so that's your starting group or your sub-package group. What happens if a couple of those guys get hurt? I mean, you are so... You know, paper thin, and I know they, I know they drafted, you know, uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Nelson in, in, from Iowa, and, and they have some guys that they signed from, you know, tryouts and things like that. Um, however, you know, it, it is just a bunch of guys who who don't have very very long resumes uh, in the NFL. In fact, you know, most of these guys have not been with the Bucks more than a year, uh, or they're rookies or they're free agents. So. You start up front, and, and boy, it's a young group. And then you go to the back end, and you go, wow, it's even a younger group. We still haven't seen Justin Evans practice. I mean, the guy got knocked out last year with a toe injury, came back for one game, then was back in the boot the next week and finished the season on IR. He's still not a guy that's, that's able to do anything, even in OTAs. Um, you know. And so you have a bunch of young safeties and, and defensive backs. Like I said, the draft picks were, were sort of the guys that were starting with the first group on Tuesday, it's just it's just really a really a thin bunch of guys. But one guy that, uh, you know, that that we do know, and he was solid, and we haven't seen him or talked to him really since all of this began was Levante David. And Levante David, you know, looked good, um, as he always does. He lined up against, the, you know, with a new LSU linebacker. Of course, he's, his guy had been Quan Alexander that went to the 49ers as a free agent, and now he's got Devin White who isn't afraid to speak up. I mean, White was, you know, doing his thing as a Mike linebacker, communicating the defense, moving guys around. There was a lot of communication going on out there in practice, and I think, you know, Levante David was encouraged by that. But you think about David who, you know, has been a really good to great player really since he was drafted, what, back in 2012 in the second round out of Nebraska. But the guy is now on his fourth head coach, his sixth defensive coordinator. Um, You know, he's played with a a million different guys. And, you know, next year, like one year from now, and I wrote a column in the Tampa Bay Times about this, um, Levante David is going to be essentially where Gerald McCoy is today. I mean, Levante David will be on the books for $10.75 million. He'll be 30 years old and he'll be entering his ninth season with the Bucks, And that's almost exactly, with the exception of the money, but it's almost exactly what, you know, Gerald McCoy is right now. Uh, and none of that money will be guaranteed. He'll be out of his guarantee. There won't be any cap hip if, if the Bucks decide to part ways with Levante David. Um, and so you just kind of think about that. Now, David, David, you could argue, has, has not had you know, much of a drop-off in terms of his, his production. Um, you know, because I think he had you know, one year where he, he went below 100 tackles about three years ago. The only thing that's been different is he's missed games. You know, he's missed five games in the last two years, which isn't a ton, but still for a guy that you're counting on to play 16 every season, he's played hurt. He's played through some injuries. He probably could have missed a lot more games in these last two years. But I always say this, don't expect a guy who's you know, starting to become injured to get healthier and more productive as he gets older. Uh, that's usually not the direction it goes, and that's sort of what they've been talking about with McCoy in terms of, well, he's not as disruptive as he was four years ago. I sense that you know the Bucks and Todd Bowles and certainly Bruce Arians really value Levante David uh, more, of course, than they do Gerald McCoy, but it's not a stretch to think that a year from now we're having this conversation about Levante David. So I asked him about not having Gerald McCoy with him, what he thought McCoy's future was with the team, and whether or not he thought that, he could be in the same position a year from now.
2: I mean, everybody around here loves Gerald. We all know, you know, Joe's a vet. You know, uh, I'm uh, upstairs and Gerald but having have a constant communication, I'm sure, about, you know, why he's not here. You know, um, so, you know, Gerald's a vet. Everybody know how Gerald carries himself. So, you know, when he be, when he comes back, you know, he's gonna be full throttle. You know, Gerald, I don't only see him as a teammate. I see him as a friend, a brother, actually, one of my closest, best friends. So um, you know, I know he's capable, and he's he's gonna be okay. Do you think he'll be on this team this year? I'm sure. I mean, I, I, it's the business side of it, and it's the personal side I, of it. Personally, I know he, he wants to be here, and he's gonna work his tail off like he's playing this year. And then the business side of it, I don't know what's going on over there.
1: Could you see yourself in the situation next year? I mean, your contract's not guaranteed after this season. That, I mean, the way the Bucks are
2: doing this, is that? I mean, at the end of the day, you're gonna control what you can control. And uh for me, it's just going out there, you know, helping the young guys, you know, just getting getting accumulated to a new defense. going out there having fun man you know uh i don't i mean i try to take it one day at a time one step at a time that's how you know that's how i try to live and uh like i said i'm coming in like a rookie all over again so i'm just trying to go out there and contribute the best way i can
1: so we'll have availability to bruce arians and the players next tuesday really for the next uh two tuesdays or let's see yeah i think it's the next two tuesdays or three tuesdays in a row about every fourth off season workout program they they become available for us from a media standpoint, we'll be talking to the Bucks about that. In the meantime, uh, keep it at TampaBay.com. Lots of stories coming up uh, from, you know, the rookies and, and some of the guys that have stood out out there. Uh, we'll have that uh, all weekend long for you, or all week long for you, uh, as we um, kind of go through the Bucs offseason here in the final phase, now phase three before we get to the veteran minicamp in June. And this is all headed towards a little break there for about four or five weeks. And then it'll come back at the end of July we'll be in training camp mode, and we'll be ready to go. So not that far away as far as, you know, wrapping up one-off season and then starting the 2019 regular season for the Bucks. Meanwhile, the Rays uh, did what they needed to do. You know, they had, I guess, Steve, what, they had some weather uh, considerations and, and and some mechanical problems with their airplane, their charter flight. Well, yeah, you saw the nasty storms down.
0: that came through
1: on Oh, Monday. yeah, they're brutal, yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, torrential, so – I guess they made the call not to fly out on Monday, and they got up early Tuesday morning and went down to Miami. You know, kind of a rare um, sort of fly and play on the day of the game for the, for a major league team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I believe major league rules require you to come in the day before, mm-hmm. barring – and it's it's designed so that if you're flying out the day of the game, you don't have a mechanical problem, a weather issue that you can't get to the game. That's the last sure. thing baseball wants. So they require you to mm-hmm. go the day before, but if you have that issue the night before, then you you know obviously can Obviously Miami's a very short flight, so it made a pretty easy decision for the Rays, I think, to do that. You know, I think they had a nine AM flight, so you're down there by ten. Probably mm-hmm. at the hotel by ten thirty and Yeah, it's easy. You know, so it, it made it pretty easy to do, but it's it's not often that you do that in baseball, so
1: well, it's not often you do that in football either, as the same sort of rule applies mm-hmm. and, and they have to be there in the city I think twenty four hours before kickoff and uh, sometimes they've done
0: some preseason games where they'll go day of but
1: yes yeah Miami again it's usually Miami Jacksonville something like that we do the same thing we'll we'll fly down uh to Miami sometimes day of game but yeah Chris Westmoreland who does their travel uh and sort of their logistics uh is the one that kind of made that call so so they get down there and some of them took a nap whatever but uh they got what they needed man against my now first of all the Marlins are the worst team maybe in baseball um, they are. I don't know what they you know, are. They, I mean, they they've won. Wins. They've won ten wins all year, and, and ten and, it's and thirty been, now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a convincing, <laughs> you know, uh, thirty losses because they don't score many runs. And in fact, they were shut out again. I think it's the fourth time this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, that they have been shut out, fourth or fifth time. So, uh, but but you know what? You credit Charlie Morton. Now, Morton's a guy, and they need him, and obviously Blake Snell to hold their own and go deep into games. But he's a guy that struggled of late with his control. He's walked a lot of batters, um, you know. Knew that he couldn't continue this sort of trend. Well, he didn't walk anybody on Tuesday night, which was really good for him. Uh, and then the Rays picked him up uh, w- with just enough runs. I mean, four to nothing is not is not a slaughter by any means. And really, well, uh, it was let's
0: b- let's give let's give Caleb Smith some credit too. I mean, the he's really the good. Mark, Yeah, he's three and zero with a two one one ERA going in this game. I he's mean, he, really he's really good. That, he's that one pitcher. That Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince slash trip for free shipping and three hundred sixty five day returns. They have that every five days they got a shot to win.
1: That's right, and they only got two runs off of him. They knocked him out. Essentially, he just you know they did a good job of making him work deep in and counts, and you know his pitch count got up, and so they finally got to the bullpen and got a few more runs. But um, well, Sergio Ro-
0: Sergio Romo couldn't find the strike zone.
1: Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. You know what I was thinking, like Romo. Uh, I wonder, had he gone out there? And of course, they follow these guys. If they wanted Romo back, they would have resigned him probably. Mm-hmm. But with their current pitching situation and all that, we figured that they could they could maybe add a pitcher here along the way if they wanted to. And Romo was sort of the ultimate opener, uh, the original, I guess. Wasn't he the original he opener was. that the out
0: had the, out in the Angels? That was uh, around this time a year ago. I think it was like May nineteenth was the day. May it 18th, was. May 19th. Sun, sun,
1: Sunday is the anniversary, I believe. Okay. Sunday will be the anniversary yep. of the opener. So that'll be like May 19th, I think. And so, you know, and he, you know, I, I guess he he came over and had a lot of conversations with his former teammates. And you're kind of thinking, eh, I wonder if, if Romo went out there and pitched really well, <laughs> maybe they could make a deal for him. You know, I mean, that would be a guy, you know, that you can kind of, you know, add some depth in a, a familiar role for him, either as a closer or an opener, a guy that can do both and, you know, brings a little World Series cachet with him and all that. But, uh, but man, he could not find the strike zone.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're sitting there bringing in pinch hitters, and I'm like, why are you pinching for him? He's just going to walk him. Just leave the regular guy there. You don't need to pinch him <laughs> That's yet. That's
1: right. That's <laughs> right. They did some tacking on there at the end, and they uh, they wind up winning 4 to nothing. But, but did you, know, you see
0: Avasale Garcia's home run?
1: Oh, my God. Crushed oh, that was it. was 471
0: yeah. feet. The longest home yeah. run in Marlins Park by a visiting player.
1: Yeah. It sure was. In fact, uh, it's, since the Rays, I guess uh, they began the the Statcast in 2015. That was yes. the Statcast stat era. Statcast era, they call it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not like the steroid era, but it's the Statcast era. Um, so this surpasses uh, the uh, measured 464 foot blast by C.J. Crone uh, last August, I guess. And then before that, uh, J.P. Aaron I remember him back yeah. in 2015? He had one. That was also four hundred and sixty four feet. So this is the longest one that uh and and, and it was every bit that although I'll I mean, tell you, Kevin
0: Kiermeyer's a... questioning it. Really? So he put out a tweet tonight says, so here's my thing. Center field wall says four oh seven. You're telling okay. me that the ball would have landed ten feet further than the distance between the mound and home plate if it was placed directly behind the wall? That ball was easily every bit of five hundred plus feet.
1: I agree with him. I, I don't know how I mean it seems to me these balls would travel more. I'm kind of with them on that. I don't know how they do it on I guess launch angle and different things, but there's obviously a barrier there that's that's prevents the ball from mm-hmm. actually landing, you know what I mean? So how how far how do you really know, but I guess that's that's why they call it statcast. It's it's the high math that they've developed.
0: Well, you know, they told me there'd be no math in this podcast, so.
1: I know, and there shouldn't be because I it's way way too early in the morning as we do this um, this evening, but um, it was, it was well struck as Joe Madden would say, um, to central field and, uh, they needed it. And, and, you know, it's good. Well, look when Garcia, Garcia was toasty there for a while and then he got, then he cooled off and that's mm-hmm. sort of been what has happened with the Rays hitters, you know, of late. I think, uh, you know, Tommy Pham's been kind of in a little bit of a slump. Kiermaier, uh, you know, he had, he had a big hit the other night, um, Tuesday night, but. Um, you know, he's kind of cooled off for a while. So they got some guys Brendan all Brendan lau has been really cool. Oh, he pinched hit and struck out, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, again, with the bases loaded, I think, or, or several guys on. So he's really cooled off. So they, 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 they need to get somebody somebody going, right? And Austin Meadows, who was not in the lineup against the tough left-hander um, initially, uh, you know, he's been their most consistent guy. But, uh, but Garcia has that ability. Mm-hmm. You know, to, uh, you know, to carry you like that in a game and maybe they can get them to do it for a week or maybe they can get to do it for a month. I mean, that's sort of what you need is to have these these guys that can launch like that. But once again, they did a lot with the home run, Steve. I mean, it was like, you know, they did get guys on with the walk and and, and at least you credit the race, you know, the race uh, hitters for not not chasing and getting themselves out. Another base-running blunder by Tommy Pham. My goodness.
0: He had such a late break. I don't know what he
1: was trying to do there. <laughs> Where's he going, man? Yeah. It was such a bad jump. Just go back, you know? Yep. He pl- he just played – you know, like he has one speed, mm-hmm. and it's like he can't really control it, and on the bases – now, later in the game, that same, sort of, uh, that same sort of throttle, if you will, helped him because there was a good read he made on a line drive to left field. Left fielder was playing mm-hmm. kind of deep. He got a really good jump off a second, and he scored on a on a hit to left field that, uh, frankly, a lot of Rays probably wouldn't have scored on. Yep. You know, they would have been held up. Yeah, no, so he goes
0: – he's going 100% all the time.
1: Yeah, so you like you love that about him, yes. but somehow he's going he's to have to find, you know, the better judgment, the better angel uh, as he runs around those bases, man, because it's, uh, it's been a thing. But they needed the win, and, of course, I guess if the Yankees keep getting rained out and the Rays keep winning – then they'll add a half a game every day. Well, that just means um, the Yankees
0: got to play a lot more doubleheaders this year. So
1: that's true. That that that's an advantage race for sure. So they're going to go at it again uh, tonight uh, down there in Miami and through the weekend, and then it's uh, what up to New York, I guess, to face the Yankees again.
0: Yeah, they have a three game series in New York, which you know, obviously, first place will be on the line there again. So just like it was yeah. this past weekend at the Trop.
1: They've got a lot of days off too right now. They're sort of in a period where there's days off, but it's fast approaching where I think they're going to play like 34 games in 34 days or something around that 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 mark. So, do you, do you think then? and We were asked this question, um, and we kind of t- hit on it the other night. But it looks like Steve, you think that they will go with what they have in terms of uh, whether you call it an opener. Or maybe Yanni Chirino starts a game, or Jalen Beeks. Well, they're not going to make any big adjustments right now to their pitching staff. What right? they've
0: said is they're not going to name a third starter that's going to take okay. the ball every five games.
1: Gotcha. Um, gotcha.
0: They could do it with openers. Maybe they let Chirino start a game or two, but they're not making any. You know, they're not saying Yanni is now our third starter. Yeah. Or okay. you know, Jalen Beeks. Or you know, bring Ryan up Ryan Yarborough, whoever, bring, Yeah. you know, they're yeah. not saying that they sort of now they're going to piecemeal, but with the off days, it allows you to kind of do that too, where mm-hmm. you can skip some starts and things, although they're, they're not trying to pit, pitch like Charlie Morton, too many innings. So they'll watch that too. So I think it's going to kind of be, you know, kind of the way they do it now. It's kind of, you know, we'll know tomorrow starter tonight. Yeah. You know, we'll, well see how the game goes and see what arms we got left and then decide what we're doing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the only danger is that if some of these guys can't get, you know, the bulk inning guys can't get deep into games, mm-hmm. if you're doing it three times out of five, mm-hmm. then that, that sort of eats up your bullpen even faster. I think it's, it's manageable right now. Well, I remember, Yarbrough's
0: down in, in Durham right now, so you could call him sure. up to eat some innings up. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, Casey Sadler's been getting stretched out, and he's done pretty well mm-hmm. up here. So, you know, you've got some other arms, and, you know, I mean, the Rays do monitor that. You know, one yeah. of the things that everyone talked about with the opener was that you're going to burn through your bullpen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, essentially, Chirinos, um, you know, Jalen Beeks, Yarborough, essentially they're, they're pitching starting pitching innings. They're just not doing it mm-hmm. in the first inning. They're starting in the second or third inning. Right. You know, it's not really burning your bullpen as long as those long guys consistently can go five, six innings, whatever, you know, whatever they need that day. You know, sure. if they start, you know, you start bringing Beeks in and he's only getting two innings at a time because he's getting rocked and that happens yeah, consistently or, you know, Yanni Trinas, whoever, that's where it becomes yeah. an issue. You know, essentially the Rays have five starters. They're just not always mm-hmm.
1: starting in the first inning. Sure. So, I mean, if a guy goes if a guy goes five or, or six in, or, well, let's say he goes five innings, whether he pitches the first five or innings two through two through seven yeah, or four through you, nine you, it doesn't matter or four th- four through nine you're still using the same number of pitchers in that instance mm-hmm. you just need right. that bulk guy to truly truly eat up some innings for you
0: yeah i mean you're rethinking your staff where okay i've got five or six guys on my staff that can go long innings some are yeah. going to start in the first inning others are going to come in in the second or third or fourth inning right that's all i mean it, it it's it's not really burning through your bullpen unless you're long guys and with any staff. I mean, whether you're Yankees or Red Sox, if if Chris Sale, who by the way now is he found his Oof, game?
1: What happened to him? His yeah. last
0: his last three starts, he's got 41 strikeouts in 21 innings. He had 17 <laughs> tonight the, in seven innings.
1: Is the velo back? Is he uh, back to throwing he, 98?
0: He, he's figured it out. Because <laughs> <Just> wow,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, oh, well, here, you know, it, but it.
0: it doesn't matter your team. If your starters don't go very long, that's what taxes your bullpen. Well, in the race case, it's not about the starter. It's about is your guy who's going to eat the long part of your game at night. If they, go, if they go too short, that's what hurts your bullpen.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I still think this whole thing comes down to, you know, can, can they have enough depth with some of the injuries they have mm-hmm. right now? Can they score runs? Can they string together hits? Um, are they going to be a team that's going to score enough runs to benefit that good pitching? And if, if they can, then you know obviously they'll win games. And and again, it's I still think that the the, the AL East is going to beat up on each other. I think the Yankees, the Red Sox are going to do that. Mm-hmm. I think the Rays can can do can absolutely do the same thing to both the Yankees and the Red Sox. And that's why series like the Miami series, you mm-hmm. think well, worst team in baseball. But you know what? Last year the Marlins weren't very good, and the Rays went uh, what two, two and, and four. four. Yeah, two and four against yeah. them. So that, that's what you can't do, right? You, you, gotta, mm-hmm. you have to win the series against some of the lower-rung teams. You're going to play, play four quarter.
0: games against the Marlins this year. You need to win three. Yeah. If you can win absolutely. all four, fantastic, but you take three.
1: Sure. you got to win the series, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's sort of the goal. So good to see that they, they got on the right stage of things. I mean, to put it in perspective, in the Marlins have 10 wins. The Rays going into Tuesday night had won 10 of their last 20. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that and that's all that uh, that they have. I don't know what they're doing in Miami. I don't know what the I don't know what the vision is for Derek Jeter, uh, and uh, Don Mattingly and those guys. But man, it's grim. Only by the way, talk about attendance problems. Where they have six thousand in the house, I think. Yeah, somewhere Tuesday it was a, just a, park?
0: a couple over that, but yeah, right about that.
1: Oof. Yeah, that's bad. When uh, all of a sudden a, a crowd at Tropicana Field looks large by comparison, so. Sixty-three oh six was the total. Sixty-three oh six. Wow. Yeah, not good. I got my theories on uh, Florida as a sports market, but that's that's for another day. So we'll follow the Rays as they continue their series uh, in in Miami. I wanted to uh, to mention one other thing um, before we get out of here is uh, USF. You know they had been dropped uh, by the University of Texas. They had that um, I guess three game series, and now it's down to a one game series at Texas. Uh, sometime coming up in a few getting years, getting a nice that. payday in there. One point nine million. Yeah, one point nine. I know that's not bad, folks. That's 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 good whooping money. That's the largest
0: largest USF payout ever, as far as you know them receiving for a road
1: game. That's right. So if if you're going to take a whooping, you get paid for it. But um, I don't think that they'll be that scared of Texas. It'll be interesting if Charlie Strong is still on staff and goes back there. Um, the bigger point is that uh, they made a nice save by picking up uh, what what essentially is now a, a three game series with the Miami Hurricanes, uh, two of those games down in Miami, one of them at USF. And why is that significant? Well, if you, can, if you combine that with the three games they have against Florida over the next uh, you know, f- few years, I guess, uh, what would it be, like 10 years, I think, they're going to play six games um, against Miami and Florida in, t- in total. And, yep. four- and during that period, they got 14 games against Power 5 schools uh, altogether, including those six. Um, with Florida and Miami. So good good job by USF. You know, this is sort of the thing you have to do now, especially if you want to attract uh, a Power 5 conference to maybe one day potentially add you. But certainly if you want to get a, a, a top bowl game because, you you know, schedule is such a big part of the the whole college football playoff system and all of that. And so um, I, I, I don't, you know, Miami has been down. Like, I think that brand is still strong and they're 5-1 and one against USF all time. Um, but I still think that this is a, this is a really good uh, situation for USF to, to get this series with Miami.
0: Well, and if you're a USF fan, too, it's, look, you're playing, you know, everyone gets tired of playing Elon. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and you know, USF talks about their attendance and they want to improve their attendance at Raymond James Stadium. More good opponents, mm-hmm. more better opponents, whether it's home or away, is going to draw more interest in your, your team you know. Absolutely. You know, the the bigger the names you have, the more people are going to be interested in watching your product. And it helps in recruiting, too.
1: I was going to say, recruiting is such a big part of it, man. Like, I mean, at the lowest level, you know, even in baseball, whatever you do, mm-hmm. um, when I was looking at schools, you wanted to see who's on the schedule because you want to play against the best. You know, if you can't, <clears throat> sometimes you'll have a choice between Miami and USF, you know, and, and maybe you'll choose USF. But if you if you don't get offered by Florida, say University of Florida, they, they, they say their plate is full, and you go to USF, you want to play Florida. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want to play those guys. Yep. And you know you'll see all the time, um, you know, sort of in the Midwest, these these some of these teams uh, in the MAC that you know they have players that didn't get offered it, but to Michigan, you know, but then then they'll rise up and they'll they'll upset a Big Ten team because. There are a bunch of guys that are pissed off they weren't in the Big Ten, you know. Yep. Um, but but this is these this makes for great football, and I think especially in the state of Florida, um, if USF wants to you know be uh, sort of in that conversation with Florida State and Florida Miami, which they certainly do, and at one point they were they were a better program maybe than some of those some of those that were going. But I think that you know this is this is great for the state of Florida. It's great for USF. And, and you're right. I think recruiting is a big part of it. You know, if I can show that guy that schedule now, um, by the time they play this series, those, that freshman class I'm talking about that's going to be attracted to it, well, they're in sixth grade right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to be a yeah. few years. Well, not only that, but, too,
0: but as a, as a player, you know, you're going to be featured on national television more.
1: Uh, those are going to be games. That's right. You're going, going to be, be on, on
0: ESPN, games. not ESPN 3 or ESPN that's right. 8 or whatever. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. be on main ESPN or maybe ABC or Fox or CBS or you know if you're playing. It might be it might be a Saturday, yeah.
1: yeah, Saturday game as opposed to you know Thursday night. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, um, which is a big deal as well. So uh, good for USF. I think they're doing a nice job over there in, in all their programs, and uh, you know, uh, maybe Charlie Strong can get them going this year, and and we'll see where 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 it ends up. But um, but I thought that was a nice save uh, to to get you know, to get university of Miami on their schedule. Yeah.
0: So did you see the cover of the New York, the back page of the New York daily news?
1: <laughs> Can we say that on the podcast? <laughs> Can we say what they wrote? Uh, they're talking about baseball or foot uh, basketballs, right?
0: Right. Exactly. It's exactly what they're doing
1: to, to, to put it in perspective. Um, you know, the Knicks had a 14% chance, right. Of getting the, the lottery pick, the number one pick in the NBA draft and but, taking Zion Williamson. Um, so, you know, everybody was, was pretty fired up about that with the Knicks, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, well, and now they're not fired up. as There's really two <laughs> no, generational not. players, they're saying, in this draft, or there's two players that they think are going to be long-time NBA, you know, build a franchise around players, and so the Knicks yeah. got the third pick.
1: Yeah, of course. They couldn't get number two. <laughs> yes, they went to it's the two so smallest Nick-like.
0: markets in the Western Conference, New Orleans and Memphis.
1: I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know if you saw Zion's face when he found out he was going to New Orleans, and they asked him if he's ever been there before. <laughs> it wasn't good. Well, I think Drew Brees needs to give him a call right now. Like I, right now. I believe and tell him technically, it's okay.
0: Technically, I believe Zion is not signed with an agent, and he could withdraw from the draft and go. Well, back. Well,
1: to be draft. honest, to be honest with you, if there was going to be, no, I'm not making. I'm not saying this. I, mean, I really do believe sort of the vibe you got is that if he could do that he might like we might well, pick a, you I know mean,
0: it's possible nike will pay him more at duke than what he would make in the NBA on a rookie contract so
1: well sure but but why <laughs> I, I, I mean that's a joke <laughs> yeah i know it's a joke because his shoe blew out and they probably owe him that much money if he gets injured no, again or co- whatever college, the,
0: college players can't accept money
1: the shoe deal right i know <laughs> um although you, you see they're starting to find ways where that might actually happen. There was uh, another story, and we can discuss that for another day, that um, they're they're going to figure out a way for, for players to get compensated for their likeness in some of the marketing stuff. Um, and I don't know where that money will go now. Maybe they'll put it away in a trust or something, but um so there is there might be a way for Zion to get paid. Well that's why
0: but, some of the NCAA video games have gone away for the last few years because of the Ethelban yeah. Bannon lawsuit and others lawsuit. that are, mm-hmm. you know that want to get paid for their likeness so those games have no longer been licensed if they come to a deal it's possible they could license those again.
1: But if you were Zion, all seriousness, if you were Zion and there is risk by, you know, staying at Duke. If you could go to Duke again, and play another season, you know. Maybe this time, win a national championship with Mike Shishovsky, get a little more, you know, of his whatever he gives you, and then you'll be the number one pick again. And hope for a better lottery ball. Is it worth it? I mean, because here's follow me on this. Let's say it is New York next year, or it's the Lakers, or somebody like a big Mark. How much more money could he have made? Can you be an NBA star in here's New the Orleans here's the, the way you would be in? you know, the New York city or Los Angeles
0: at the end of the day, you know, if you want to go to the big glamor markets, great. And there's some, there's some endorsement money possibly, but your rookie contract is however long. And I don't know the NBA too well, but there's essentially, I believe a slot for rookie money.
1: Yeah. It's not going to change. So start
0: your, start your deal now so that you get that big max deal sooner. Your rookie you contract four or want. five years, whatever. I don't know what it is. In the, I don't follow the NBA close enough to know. I know there is one. Yeah. But why would you wait another year if you're going to be the number one pick? Even if you're going to go to New Orleans,
1: because it's New Orleans. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. all no. But you're right. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I mean if you start have to do five
0: years till you can get a max deal, and you know, start the
1: clock now. Right. You want to start it as soon as you can.
0: Yeah. I mean, you wait another year. It's another year till you're going to get that max deal. That's right. You
1: know, I mean, and there's nothing. It's
0: not like you're the twentieth pick, and you could move up to the first pick next year. Okay, then maybe it's worth you going back. But he's yeah. he's going to be the first pick.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing to say that New Orleans might see him as a real big commodity, where they can get three or four players for him and trade him after two or three years. Could right? do that too, sure. Although I they mean, didn't that, trade
0: Anthony Davis this year when Anthony Davis well, requested a trade.
1: But but you know what the word is now that that you would think well now maybe Anthony Davis would stay his position is no I want out yeah
0: the reports are he still wants out
1: yeah but so
0: him and management there have not gotten along too which is part of that
1: yeah but if you're Anthony Davis and, and maybe it's deeper than just who's on the team but if you're Anthony Davis and now you got Zion coming yeah unless you're that, unless you're
0: that, going to New York with Kevin Durant <laughs>
1: well that's which is what what which is exactly what Williams was hoping was going to happen to him. <laughs> So it just seemed like a. Wah, 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 wah. It didn't, didn't uh, it seem like
0: sh- though when they got to the top four and, and the Lakers and Knicks were both in there. You're like LeBron's getting Zion.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, if it was rigged, rich, that's
0: probably the way it would have gone down.
1: The rich get richer, right? Yeah. Well, I,
0: the it, Lakers haven't been rich in a while, but no. At but least I mean, not winning wise.
1: Big market team though with yes. LeBron James. Yes. If, if he had gotten Zion, that would have been, been a huge get, and all of a sudden they would look smart again. But. Yeah, it didn't work out that way for him, And like you said, so Memphis and New Orleans. Yep. What do those two teams have in common? Good food.
0: D- great food, both places.
1: Beale Street or Bourbon Street? Yeah, I, mm. I lived
0: in Memphis for a couple of years. I love Memphis. I think it's a great I, town. That
1: was, hey, man, that's where we. that was our biggest, closest big city at Arkansas State. It was mm-hmm. 60 miles across the river, baby. Spent a lot of time there. Great ribs. Good dry rub. Mm.
0: Oh, the ribs, but, the fried chicken. The, I mean, you name it there fantastic yeah, it's
1: really good. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, that was that was a big uh, big to do. Quite a production by the NBA with uh, the way they do it. All right. So tomorrow we got the Rays on a late one again uh, at Miami. It'll be Ryan stanick as your opener. I think what uh, maybe Jalen beaks will be the bulk guy. We'll see how that works out for the Rays as they continue their road trip here. It's always interesting the
0: with the opener on a National League park. Because yeah. you may not want to bring Beaks in at the second inning. You may want to wait till the third, hoping you've got through his pl- place in the order already,
2: depending on how
0: the first inning shapes up as far as you hitting and, and how Miami does. But it's always interesting in the National League parks when you bring your, your bulk guy in. I mean, assuming he's going to get in that bat sometime in the game. But do you do it mm-hmm. in the second inning or the, you know, the second pitcher? Or do you wait another round through so it's later in the game?
1: Yeah, I mean that's strategic, obviously. And uh, Charlie Morton, by the way, what what I miss about National League baseball, which is nothing, um, watching him come up with uh, two guys on, and, and and admittedly, he says, I heard him in the pregame. He's like, "I'm look, I'm one of the worst hitters. It's not fair that I actually take a take a spot or an at bat from somebody, but uh, but that's the way it goes sometimes in the National League. You just don't understand that sometimes." Hey, folks, and we're going to have our mailbag segment for Thursday's show, so I want you guys to get your questions in. I know i have getting a lot of questions online on Twitter uh, about, you know, Gerald McCoy and some of the stuff that's going on with the Buccaneers and, and all their situation there with Bruce Arians. So uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. The way you do this is just send us a question on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. It can be about anything, the Bucks, the Rays, uh, the Lightning, USF, the Rowdies, you name it. Uh, Give us some questions, and we will answer them for you and use your name on Thursday's broadcast. Remember, folks, now, if you're looking for something to do uh, with your family over the weekend or uh, during the week, call my friends at uh, Captain Mike's uh, Swimming with the Manatees. This is the uh, number one customized manatee tour company up there in Kings Bay. In Crystal River. It is absolutely beautiful. You can ride the pontoon boats if you want to, or do some kayak rentals or bicycle rentals and much more. You can book online at swimmingwithematees.com or you can call 352-777-1796. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Have Ever a catch yourself eating the
2: same flavorless dinner three days in a row. Dreaming of something better.